and they wait. And I can only imagine what was going through Abraham's mind when he says, God, you said you're going to make a great nation, and, but Sarah and I, we haven't had kids, and we're getting older. And you know the story, too. It'll fit in a little bit later maybe with some things we'll say where they get a little nervous. Sarah gets a little nervous. Says, where's that child God promised? And so she takes matters into her own hands, as you remember the story, and gives Abram one of her servant handmaids to have a child with, and boy, does that cause problems. But Abraham and Sarah had to wait 25 years for the promise to come true. I could give you some others. I could tell you about David back in 1 Samuel 16 when he was anointed to be the next king of Israel. And he had to spend the next years running and hiding and being in caves and in danger for his life and waiting for that promise to come true. Now, we're not Abraham or Sarah or David, but as God's children, we who are in Christ do have some very special promises that we're counting on. And one of them is over in 1 Thessalonians. If you want to go there, you can. I don't have any PowerPoints. I'm not as techie as Jody is, so maybe I'll grow into that someday. But 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, starting with verse 13, here's a promise that's very specific to each one of us that is going to come true even though we're still waiting. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will come with Jesus, bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And according to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are still at the com- at, alive at the coming of those, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And so therefore encourage each other with those words. Now, there are other promises that God, I think, makes to all of us, but that's not the usual to you and me. There's another group of people in the Bible, and that is those that don't have any special promise given to them, but they were very familiar with the struggle and agony of waiting. One of my favorite characters is Joseph in the Old Testament. And he's one that when I was going through one of my deepest times of waiting that I reflected on probably more than any other character along with probably Job for a good reason. And waiting and waiting. You remember how Joseph was one of 12 brothers and the brothers really didn't like Joseph. And so one day when he was bringing supplies out to his brothers who were tending sheep, they saw him coming and they plotted to take his life. One of the brothers kind of put the brakes on that and says, wait a minute, let's, let's don't kill him. Uh, let's, let's dig a pit over here and throw him into the pit and let a wild animal fall into the pit and kill him. And he gets the blame so we don't have a guilty conscience as if that would do anything to your conscience. 
But then they see a caravan of Egyptians coming, and they look, and they say, hey, here comes a caravan. we got a different idea. Let's sell him as a slave, and we'll get rid of the brother, and we don't have to have his blood on our hands. And so they do. You know how old Joseph was when that happened? Seventeen. Now, there's no record in the Scriptures that he had any particular promise from God. He had had some dreams that caused him to wonder about, you know, gee, there might be something interesting to happen in my life. But there was no definite promise. And at 17 years old, he goes down and he is sold into slavery into Egypt. And the Egyptian's name is Potiphar. And he just becomes the best servant to Potiphar he can be. And then... Something tragic happens. Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him of sexually attacking her. And he hadn't. But she lies, and Potiphar believes, so guess where he winds up next? In jail. Still no promise from God of what's going on here. God, where are you? Why are you allowing these things to happen? Will I spend the rest of my life in prison, or will there ever be another chapter in my life? And so in jail, he becomes the best jailer or the best prisoner to where he is then given a position of authority in the prison. Now, we could go on down his story here because there's still more trouble in in his story. But eventually... Through God's leading, and there's that little phrase that I love in the story of Joseph, that every time these things happen to him, we see him being sold as a slave or in the dungeon or in the jail. Here is the phrase that says, but the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. I'd like to think that every day he woke up, he was aware of that, but I kind of doubt it (laughs) because I think he's human like you and me too. Sometimes we know it, but sometimes we're not sure because it doesn't feel like it. We We don't see the end of things. And I could give you a host of other examples, but because of time, I won't do that. That's enough for you to understand that it's hard enough to wait when you feel like you've got some kind of specific promise that's already been given, but it's even harder to wait when you... Don't know. You have no sense of if or when the wait will be over. We don't like waiting, do we? Did you know I know some people have a hard time waiting for a red light to turn green? Now, I'm sure there's no one in here like that. I know that sometimes I've seen people get really indignant when a senior citizen is at the checkout line and they're fumbling through their coin purse to want to pay pennies and you're wanting to rush through with your credit card. We're impatient people. We don't like to wait. Reminds me of another story of a preacher who had a reputation of going for long, long sermons. Don't worry, it's not me. But he would get to going for an hour or an hour and a half And so one Sunday, he was preaching, and there was a man in the audience. He'd gone about 30 minutes, an hour, and the man got up to leave. And the preacher saw him get up to leave. And he says, wait, wait a minute. Why why are you leaving? And the man turned to him and says, I need a haircut. He says, you need a haircut? 
well, why didn't you get it before you came? He says, I didn't need one when I got here. We don't, we don't like waiting. Something seems too long for us, we get impatient. So what are we going to do when God tells us to wait? Well, just a couple of thoughts, and I don't claim to have all the answers. I'm just trying to share a few things with you that maybe God can encourage you with where you're going through maybe a particular time of waiting, even now, but maybe later. For one thing, I want you to know if you're going through a period of waiting, it is not because God is upset with you. God is not persecuting you when you're in a period of waiting. Because God may have said no to your request or wait does not mean that God is upset because you are making that request. You do well to ask God for things that are close to your heart. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, we get that verse that's very familiar to us that we've talked about before when we were talking about anxiety. Don't be anxious about anything. Ooh. Well, we talked a little bit about as human beings, we're all going to get nervous or anxious from time to time. What we think he's really referring to there, don't be in this constant state of anxiety that never changes. And what can help that change? He gives us the directions. Don't be anxious about anything, but with prayer and supplication, do what? Make your request to God. God wants you to make your request. He wants to hear from you. He wants to know what's on your heart. God cares. But why do I have to wait sometimes for an answer? And I've come up with the conclusion that the answer is, is that God's delays and waiting is one of his best tools to promote our growth. Now, that's not fun to hear sometimes. There are reasons God maybe wants us to wait. One reason is because waiting can sometimes be a time of renewing your strength. There are some times when I got to a place where I would just burn out. I've been going so fast, and I'm sure you can't relate to that. You can get to moving so fast that you're just busy, 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 busy all the time and kind of neglecting yourself and your own health or other things that kind of balance life, and you just kind of burn out. So God may say, hey, that's not good. You are not the Energizer Bunny. And so sometimes there may be a period of waiting where God is going to renew your strength whether you like it or not. And we're familiar with that verse in Isaiah 40. It says, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they will run and not go weary, and they will walk and not be faint. You know, there's a difference in running against the wind and running with it. Too many times I think we run against the wind instead of with the leading of the Spirit of God. And so, is it wasting time when you're waiting? No. It's saving time because God will give the direction and timing when you are ready and refreshed, and he provides the resources that you'll need to get done 
the things in the next chapter of your life. So sometimes waiting is to renew your strength. But waiting also is a way that God refines your character. We put up on the board here, James, count it all joy, my brethren, when you meet with various trials. Why? For you know that the testing of your faith does what? Produces perseverance. Now, that word just by itself, that, that just kind of rubs you wrong a little bit, perseverance. Because perseverance just means that. You're going through something, and you're persevering. You're hanging on. You're doing the best you can, and it's tough. It's not easy. God says there will be times of trials that if you'll see them from this perspective, and trust me, that I, what I'm doing is building character. You're going through these trials so that you can develop perseverance. And when perseverance has had its full effect, it says, then you will be complete and mature. So sometimes a time of waiting might be to build your character. And just like our own parenting skills, I've raised two daughters, got five grandkids. Now, as a parent, do I always want to give my kids what they want when they want it? No, there's no answer. I don't know. <laughs> the answer is no. Why? Because at that age of immaturity, kids want things, want things, want things, want things. And from a hopefully from a mature parent point of view, we understand there are some things they don't need when they want it. I want another bowl of ice cream. <laughs> I want more candy. I want whatever. And we kind of have to say, no, you'll have to wait until another time. They don't like to wait either. And so as parents, we sometimes delay those gratifications because we know from our point of view what's best for them, and they don't. Now, is there any reason we should expect God to be any different with us? God is our loving Heavenly Father, and we are His children. And in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, it says, The Lord disciplines those that He loves. Now, discipline is a training word. It's not a punish. It's a discipline word, getting us to mature. My job as a parent was to get my kids ready for the adult world with the teachings, the life lessons, the morals, the teachings that they would have so they would be successful when they left home. God is trying to get us to grow up in our salvation, and so sometimes his discipline uses his waiting room. But waiting is no fun because it says the Lord disciplines those he loves because God is treating you as sons. And no discipline is pleasant at the time, but it produces a harvest of righteousness and a peace for those who have been trained by it. James 1 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials, let perseverance finish its work. Let's go to Romans, the fifth chapter. And I really like particularly how the translation that we call the message puts this one. We continue to shout out our praise even when we are hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert 
for whatever God will do next. Don't you like that? Now, how can I? How can God teach us patience if He never makes you wait? One other idea is that waiting can refocus your desires. Sometimes I think I know what I want when really I'm not sure. <laughs> and I've asked for things in the past that I look back now and say, you know, I really thought that that's what I wanted, but God knew best. And he said, no, that's not what you need. Sometimes we aren't sure what we want. So we chase all kinds of things. We ask for all kinds of things. And sometimes we get them. Sometimes we want this and we want that, and so we get it. And uh, it's only temporary. So then we want this and we want that and we want that and this and this. Reminds me of another story of an older couple sitting in their living room one night. And the husband gets up and says, honey, I'm going to go to the kitchen, get a snack. You want anything? And she says, yes, I would. I'd like a scoop of vanilla ice cream with some chocolate on top of it. Got it. She said, but honey, I think you need to write it down. You know how your memory's going. <laughs> and he said, oh, come on now. I don't need to write that down. So he goes back to the kitchen, comes back 15 minutes with a plate of scrambled eggs. And she says, I told you you needed to write it down. Here you brought me the scrambled eggs and you forgot the bacon. Sometimes we don't know what we, we don't even remember what we want. And sometimes waiting is a way for God to refocus our desires so they match up better with his. And so how do we wait? Well, very quickly, don't wait alone. If you're in a period of waiting, get connected with other people. Let other people encourage you, pray for you, be with you, and encourage you to know that God is with you and for you and that waiting might have a purpose for you. Not only do you not want to also not wait alone, but you also want to wait on guard because Sometimes waiting can be an invitation for Satan to creep in with you with some resentment and bitterness. Because you're waiting for something that you see other people already having. There's a temptation to become envious or jealous or resentful. Don't let that happen. If anything, your focus has gotten so microscopic that you're only looking at the thing that you think you want and yet you do not have, and you are forgetting all the good things that God has given to you. And you need to walk in with God's help to the omnitheater and expand your universe to see all the blessings that you have instead of looking at the one thing that you don't. These are just a few ideas to try to get you to wait on the Lord and do it well, I assure you that God's waiting room is always full. That God is always in the waiting room with you. Rick didn't know this, but I wanted to close with Colossians here as a prayer for you and all the people who may be in a time of waiting. And we'll close with this. Colossians 1, starting with verse 10. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So why? So that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father 
who has qualified you to share in his inheritance in the saints of the kingdom of light. So I appreciate the time with you. Hope these words might be of some encouragement to you. We're all waiting to some degree, but I want you to know that God is sometimes waiting for you. God's waiting for you to respond to him. And he's patient, but he'll not wait forever. This is a chance you would like to respond in some way to what the Spirit of God may prompting you. There's going to be people down front that are here to welcome you, to pray with you in any way. So let's stand together. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Let the blind say, I can see. It's what the Lord has done in me. Hosanna, Hosanna to the Lamb that was slain.